Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. It's all right. Just sniff into the mic. Someone's got the sniffles. I'm sorry. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Um, this is Old Hollywood Realness, the podcast that celebrates all the glitz and glamour of Tinseltown's golden era. Mm-hmm. I'm Philip Estrada. I'm Kathleen Nall. Um, how are you doing, Kathleen? I'm great. Aww. Staring at you in person. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is a in-person Episode, if you will, in person episode. <laughs> um, how fun is that? Christmas episode. We hope everyone's having a wonderful holiday yes. season. The trees are trimmed and the children are tucked into bed. For so all the adults can have cocktails. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the highballs are rolling. I'm hoping. Um, yeah. So um, it's awesome to have you here for um, the holidays. Yes, so I'm so happy to be here. It's actually it's been really great. Yeah. It's been a fun weekend in Seattle. I got I got all the Seattle weather, mm-hmm. <laughs> but good and bad, you yeah. know, because it was like rainy, but then it's like really beautiful today, and I kind of liked walking around in the rain. Yeah. It was nice. Fun. You just kind of have to embrace it. And we baked you know. cookies. We baked cookies, which was super fun. We exchanged <laughs> gifts. Mm-hmm. We had all of the fun. We stared at the train. Yes, <laughs> and a fabulous tree at that. <laughs> NBD, no big deal. Yeah, you know. Okay, well, Kathleen, we are here to talk to um, a movie, a not about Christmas, but it does have a wonderful pivotal Christmas scene in it. Yes. So we have to talk about that. And yes. So we're discussing the movie All That Heaven Allows. Yes. You know, it's 1955. Mm-hmm. It's a Universal Pictures. Um, it's uh, directed by Douglas Sirk, mm-hmm. and the costumes, which is credited as gowns by Bill Thomas. Um, Kathleen, what's your history with All That Heaven Allows? Well, um, this came as a recommendation from my sister Monica. So shout out to you, Ooh. Kiki. Thank you so much. This is my sister's favorite Christmas movie well this is her Christmas movie like for her so yeah and so she um, she recommended it to me she's also a big fan of Douglas Sirk movies in general and has kind of been really saying you know you really should you really should do one of his movies. It, I mean, would, it would behoove you to do. What a way to start! I'll tell you that much. Uh, anyway, no, no, she didn't say that. <laughs> I kind of forgot what that word meant. Anyway, so it would. It would be. <laughs> Like we talk to each other. (laughs) Don't forget your behooves. (laughs) That's the right use of that, right? (laughs) Right, yeah, you know. But yeah, so it came recommended by her, and I'm so glad. So thank you very much, Monica. This movie, it was amazing. It delivered the goods, and it doesn't surprise me now. Like when I was watching it, I kept thinking about how much it reminded me of Back to the Future, Mm. which is another movie that um, my sister and I, like are big, big fan. well, all three of the movies, but that movie, just from Back to Front, and also realizing... And now I realize now, probably because Hill Valley, I think, was filmed, the city of Hill Valley um, was sort of filmed on the same lot as Stonington. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was really, it was cool. And it also, um, just the silhouettes of the costumes and stuff, it just made me, I don't know, it really made me think of that, of 
Back to the Future. It's very reminiscent of the the, mm-hmm. the costumes from Back to the Future. Also. Yeah, it's, in that Back to the Future nailed 1955. Yeah, much, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, but that was kind of that was my history. I had I really had no background with it. I really love it, and I can definitely see myself watching mm-hmm. it every year. Like if I, it felt, it I'm I will look forward to watching this movie again. Awesome. So, yeah. Anyway, what about you? Did you um, have- my record, my um, history with this movie is none actually. I yeah. hadn't really seen anything of that. Um, there's um, another movie actually called, and I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> um, and it's called, I believe it's called Far from Heaven. Far from Heaven from two, in 2002 with Julianne right. Moore and Dennis yes. Quaid. Mm-hmm. I had seen that movie when, when I was in college actually at Fitham. Um, no, no, this wasn't a fit of. This was at Virginia Commonwealth. And we mm-hmm. I had a history of costume class or a fashion history class, which was a, it was a summer course. So it was very high level and fast. And wow. um, so well, we did end up watching a lot of movies that were um, period films and that sort of stuff to kind of give us the, you know, what they could do for fashion history and stuff. So we ended uh-huh. up watching Far From Heaven, which is heavily influenced by this movie. All okay. the, the research that we've seen, that I was looking at, said that Douglas Sirk and the director of Far From Heaven, who is, hold on, as I go to the IMDb page in real time. So Todd Haynes is the director of Far From Heaven, and he openly says that um, Douglas Sirk was a direct, um, was a direct um, inspiration for that. Oh. So it's almost like not shot for shot, but yeah. it's very much like uses a lot of the same kind of like color techniques and the, mm-hmm. the way that it's shot and like those sort of like like kind of dramatic framing and things like that. So that was an interesting movie to kind of keep in the back of my mind when we were watching this because I was like, wow, it really was. They um, kind of directly correlated to it with yeah. the, just the beauty of the way that he used like the contrast colors and the extreme lighting in facts and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my um, roundabout way of like, that's the only connection I had to this film prior to watching it. So, and also, I mean, Rock Hudson, I mean, how could you? Oh not, yes. Not. And I, I was going to say, this is like our first Rock it, Hudson it movie. Is our first Rock and, Hudson movie. and we've been talking about wanting to do a movie with him for a long time. With mm-hmm. like a Doris, we've been wanting to do yeah. a, a Doris day deep dive, if you will. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. with, uh, with yeah. their movies that they did together, but I'm so glad this was, our first our our first intro into him because whoa yes i mean and it was oh, it was so great reading about him and researching and what i was just i was actually telling you earlier just you know what a great what a what an amazing guy and yeah. like uh just this filmography and all those work he's done and um but he was so good in this movie yes holy crap i <laughs> he mean was really good i mean movie. let's just, out, get out of the way that the fact that he's just classically handsome. I but, mean, uh, and like, good God. No, and I, I always, like, watching these now especially, it's like, no plastic surgery. <laughs> this is a natural man. <laughs> and yes. and his, but he's so, um, he's so good. He's yeah. just so, you take him seriously. His character's fantastic. Um, it's, it, yeah, he, wow, he was good. Know, he was right? everyone was good Agnes Moorhead who as you oh, know I'm a God. huge fan she was fantastic and I love Jane that was my first really uh, uh, Jane Wyman movie as well yeah. because I knew about her I know that she's she's been a she's a heavy hitter in the old Hollywood scene as well and 
um, was uh, good friends with Loretta Young and mm-hmm. and really came up in that. Um, and again, it kind of reminds me of Ann Miller in that they started super young and actually kind of like lied to get work, you know, like said they were 19 when they were 16 and like go way back. Um, and she was married to Ronald Reagan. Right. First Mrs. <laughs> and, Ronald Reagan. And again, that was that Back to the Future. I was like, wait a minute. The only thing I know about Jane Wyman is I remembered Doc Brown making that reference to her <laughs> in, in Back to the Future about her being married to Ronald Reagan. So I had to fact check that and that actually it's mildly disappointing that they would even use that in the quote because that historically wouldn't be correct he was um um jane wyman and ronald reagan divorced in 1949 and he married nancy reagan by 1952 i believe so so technically actually (laughs) nancy and ron reagan were already married by the time all that heaven allows came out and which in 1955 which is the time the back to future took place so he shouldn't have said and who's the first lady jane wyman he should have said and who's the first lady nancy reagan <laughs> the blowjob queen of Hollywood. <laughs> All right, I just got to put it out there. I'm done. I'm done. I'll see myself out. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, the the yeah. woo the um, rumors on her. Goodness yeah, gracious! Yeah. Um, but that's a whole different yeah. podcast series. So. Good Lord. <laughs> we'll try not to talk about the Reagans oh, too much. Um, so let me, sorry, I, yes. the, the cast of this movie. So we have Jane Wyman plays Carrie Scott. Rock mm-hmm. Hudson plays Ron Kirby, who the much younger gardener who she falls in love yeah. with. All of eight years. Um, Calm I, down. I know. Their age difference <laughs> Just, was eight years in, action, yeah. in real life, but they yeah. were making it seem like she was like robbing, like he was a 17. I'm yeah. like, come on, queen. This is take a, a seat. This is not Mary that whole town needs to take a seat. <laughs> no, right. Yes. <laughs> come on. They're both consenting adults. Yes. Uh, Agnes Moorhead, most famous for playing Endora on Bewitched, um, plays Sarah Warren, who is Carrie's, um, who is Jane Wyman's best friend. Uh, Conrad Nagel plays Harvey, who's kind of like the um, kind of like stodgy old guy that she's like kind of like a love interest, like an assumed love interest yes. for, mm-hmm. um, for um, Jane Wyman's character. Virginia Gray plays Alita Anderson, and her husband um, Mick is played by Charles Drake. They're best friends with Rom Rock Hudson's character. Gloria mm-hmm. Talbot plays Kay, um, plays Kay Scott, who is um, Jane Wyman's daughter, and William Reynolds plays Ned Scott, her son. Um, then uh, Hayden Rourke plays Dr. Dan Hennessy. Um, and then Jacqueline DeWitt plays Mona Plash, oh, who is the bitchiest, meanest, like, like, oh, like she is yeah. a prototype for every like ter- like female villain in like small town America. Yeah, like, that bitch that, sweats like, evil. Oh she's got an Ursula face. Yes. It's just a lot going on, you know. She's, you just know she's like a prototype Disney villain. She's like the town <laughs> gossip, and she yeah. just like she majored in backhanded compliments yeah. and of passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Like, that was her college major. Clearly. And the actress who plays her, you can just you can see how she's like like the the more she can sense somebody suffering, the more yeah. she's delighted and she's excited. Like, and so the woman, shout out to her because she does it. She really had fun with that character, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and honestly, <laughs> actually, there's a 90% chance that actress is probably like really fucking cool oh, because sure. most people who play those bitty characters are like amazing people in real life. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would love to. I actually really want to see what other stuff she's famous for just out of... Um, not a lot of stuff. Like she's kind of just yeah. like a character actress who worked a lot, but nothing really kind of major. So yeah. Like she's most notable for this movie. And then like Little Giant from 1946. With Interesting. So, okay. yeah, not a lot. Um, and then, uh, yeah. So if, 
if you have anything to add to that, dear listener, if you yeah. love, if you know more about a Jacqueline DeWitt, please let us know. We're totally open. To I love we people like that. More. They're like, yeah, they were only in a few films, but yet we're able to like quietly live in a Hollywood Hills I house. So they mean, were like 95 a, years old. She's <laughs> got a pretty good um, filmography yeah. starting from 43 all the way up to... Um, you know, 1970. So, oh, I mean, geez. So, yeah, working good career. actress. I mean, good she, for her. Yeah, she did a lot. She did some t- a lot of TV, too. Yeah. So that's good. Oh, that's um, nice. Well, that's kind of like yeah. Rock Hudson. You know, he, after a while, like, you know, he, he kind of had, well, a lot of these people had, like, Jane Wyman, too. That mm-hmm. Like, that second or, like, late in life career in t- in television in, like, the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. Because then he did, like, Macmillan and Wife. That's what I Rock remember. Rock Hudson. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because and that was, like, on almost, like, most of the 70s. And then <laughs> she was, in um oh, the soap opera uh, falcon cross falcon right Christ, yes. yeah. but i mean like how great was that she was like in her 70s I or know. something and just and she played like such a bitch it was fantastic <laughs> but yeah it was fun reading what, about what jane wyman say on the description she played the um evil matriarch or something yeah like, what was i wish i knew oh, that God, i that, wish I'd, i'll have to find it and look it up so because good. it was it was really good and um, just the, the one word that one line description of her character was the best so good <laughs> i'll find it um yeah she um I, I thought that um, reading about Jane Wyman was really cool. Mm-hmm. She had a very long and interesting life and definitely sad moments in her life. Um, and then um, I know that like reading about her and then like she had a, a couple of ki- well, a few kids with Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. um, and uh, she had been married a total of five times and only one of her kids survived, sort of like outlived her. Oh. One kid died the same day it was born, which oh. must, I know, right? Like bummer. these people dealt with some crazy shit. And then her other, she had a son and a daughter. And then that daughter passed, I think, in 2001 from melanoma. Yikes. And which kind of, kind of reminds me of like Doris Day dealing with her son. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that also dying around that same time too. And it's like, ugh. But I guess when she passed, like I read a, a really beautiful statement that her son put out about how like she had granddaughters that loved her and she was this amazing woman and it sounds like she was um just a really like a good person Mm -hmm. and she but she kind of just quietly lived her life in the end you know and um and the only other she was pretty much a recluse and the only other time she came out with was for her daughter's funeral and loretta young that's why i read like they they went way back way back so that's what i'm saying like those those chicks from back in the day, dude, they took some of those secrets <laughs> to the grave, you know? To the grave. Anyway, but Goodness. she had a really cool um, life, and I'm going to look up that Falcon Crest thingy since <laughs> since I talked about it. But anyway. Um, so this is actually our very first Bill Thomas movie. So Bill Thomas, yes. the costume designer who did the, quote, gowns for this film, um, which they are, there's some really good, like, kind of, like, um, you know, middle, middle class, like, or kind of middle upper class um, looks in this film, which is kind of nice for that era because it would have been contemporary costumes, which was really nice. Um, I did not know this, so I was doing some um, some uh, research on him, um, and not a lot on him. Honestly, I didn't. I was looking through a couple of books that I have on costume designers, and nothing much about that except for like one pull quote, really. But he is a ten-time Oscar-nominated designer, which I was like, holy shit, ten times is amazing. <sighs> And he ended up winning um, for Spartacus in 1960, which he shared with um, Valet, who is was a, you know, we we talked about him before in other films um, as the men's costume designer. And he um, notably designed the costumes for such films as Logan's Run in 1976. And then he ended up kind of getting on the, um, the Disney bandwagon. He was kind of um, the company man for them for a long, long time. Ended up doing Bedknobs and Broomsticks in 1971, oh Happiest Millionaire in 67 which he was nominated for um 
and then uh, he also did The Parent Trap in 61. Um, sorry, Happiest Millionaire in 67 and Parent Trap in 61. He was um, born in Chicago on October 13th in 1921, and he did end up dying in Beverly Hills on May 30th in, in 2000, which I thought was having like, so he had a pretty good... Um, he had a pretty good long life, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And I yeah. love Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. That's oh, like one of my God, favorite, favorite movies. One. I love, I love. Um, and the costuming was great in that, too. Yeah. yeah. That kind of like uh, dark, dark and kind of like wartime. War. Yeah. yeah. It was so cool. Really rad. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. He's kind of, pr- I mean, his, um, his uh, filmography is kind of really long but it's just interesting because there's not a lot kind of written about him as like kind of a public figure like yeah. that so I guess he must have just was just doing know, the thing doing the you thing. know exactly <laughs> that's so cool yeah um I did pull uh, some stuff actually from uh, there was an article written on tcm.com that wrote about this movie which I think is interesting um and it's fun because um, they were talking about how this movie was a repeat success of Douglas Sirk's 1954 film Magnificent um, Obsession, which we've gotten a lot of feedback on the social media about whether we should cover that film too. So we'll have to check into that because um, it's gonna have because that movie also has Jane Wyman and Rock Hudson and Agnes Moorhead as well. Oh so, wow, like, the top, for sure, the, the top three actually re reassembled for this film. Um, most of the production crew is was the same on this movie as in Magnificent Obsession as well. Um, Cirque stated that one of the most important boyhood influences was Henry David Thoreau's Walden. Um, and that is, um, and that, Quote, this is mm-hmm. ultimately what the film is about. Thoreau's theme of the natural man and the necessity of self-reliance um, are evident in the character of Ron Kirby. Referring to the film's title, Cirque affirmed that he considered it to be ironic. Um, and he said, quote, as far as I'm concerned, hen- heaven is stingy. So that's why it's the film is called All That Heaven Allows, mm-hmm. but it's basically about like how they... Heaven, heaven being the kind of like the gated community that um, Carrie lives in, and yes, yet yeah, they're not allowed. They're only allowed a certain amount of that. They're not allowed what they want. They're only allowed what they what they think they should have. So I thought that yes. was it's, it's kind of an interesting title to go along with this film. No, it's great. Yeah. That article, too, on um, TCM also had uh, contemporary reviews as well. So Variety, condescendingly, um, reviewed the film as, quote, a film guaranteed to tug at the heartstrings of all middle-aged women who occasionally must think of the possibilities of such romance. Um, The Variety continues to say, Douglas Sirk keeps things rolling along and manages to get his actors to make trite dialogue sound less so. So... They weren't very kind to this movie when well, it first came you. out. I know. So um, also Hollis Alpert cleverly disguised his review as a letter from his quote Aunt Henrietta to Universal oh, Studios. Oh God, these, they it's, just they think were they're so, so clever. It they was just cons- think they're it, so Exactly. Smart. So this movie was basically, everyone was like, well, this is a women's picture. Like, it's just like they, it was that sort of movie where it was Honestly, like, it really is a woman's picture yeah. and it is so reflective of, well, from what I've read, and we even, mm-hmm. like, I, again, I can reference the celluloid closet when we hear women talk about growing up in the 50s mm-hmm. and how absolutely it was beautiful and idyllic and truly stifling. I'm sure. Like, bird in a gilded cage, 
you know, uh, it's it's perfectly great if that is what you want. And if you if you do not want that in any way, it sucks, know, and you yeah. can't question it. And and just the the, the sheer sadness of living that way. Right. And I feel like that movie captured that. 110%. And like we were speaking too of that, um, which I know from my own personal experience with what happened with my mom, it's like when you become a widow and how everybody somehow treats you as like a fallen woman, like, or you've got a divorce, which again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just like you're treated as less than or the right. other or um, like you should just either like fade into the background or become somebody else's property. Right. And that is pretty, that is very much evident in how Carrie is seen and treated and even kind of, she doesn't even know, she seems so wayward in the beginning too, just well, as it's far just, as, she's you know, like, yeah, she's just like puttering around this uh-huh. house that's just like, she, it was almost just like, she just has to continue to carry on the right. legacy of being the housewife, even though her kids have moved out, well, ostensibly moved out because they only come home on the weekends because they're at college all right. the time. Excuse me. And um, <laughs> um, and so she, yeah, so she has this house and she's just like upkeeping the house. And like there's that whole scene where the kids are like, well, where are we going to live? I'm like, you guys are in college yeah. and you guys are basically moved out. Why are you yeah. so worried about it? It's all just like, it's this, the 1950s and like even the, you know, the the antagonist of this movie is conformity basically. Oh, it's 100%. Like, is anything, so it was like the, the real problem and that they were butting up against was the fact that they weren't conforming or they were mm-hmm. doing something other than... which is like you know so interesting and um it's yeah it's really evident and clear that it's just like any step outside the lines it's like "Uh uh-uh bitch you better get in line and that's what the 50s was about yeah and people had no problem telling you that and and even continuing to support the monsters within that society whether they should be or not like look at walter you know with with Um, was it walter um Um, uh, harold 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 was the guy so um yeah harold was that character or howard sorry howard Howard, i'm sorry either way it's a he's a dick but um but i mean in in that in that example because like there's a part where you know you you hear more than one person say about like you know about ron they're like oh yeah he's a nice guy great guy great guy but but But, you know but he's he's a gardener yeah exactly i'll the first one to admit he's a good guy but doesn't matter yeah but you got howard who like is an open he's an open philanderer sexual assaulter Uh, yeah Yeah. (laughs) he sexually assaults her carrie and she he openly cheats on his wife yes and like and everybody knows about it like oh no it's fine and then they also defend him when he does when like during that party scene poor howard poor howard how could and then they like going blame carrie Mm -hmm. as being like um you know being a you know um you know a temptress or something it's like yeah bitch did you not see what? Yeah, no, like, it's oh. and, and it's like she knew it. You could see it in her face how right. she's living this catch twenty two, and it's exactly. like damned if you do, damned if you don't, and um, and it, and also too, if you really like break down who she was, it's like by all by all we can see about this woman is that she did everything right. Mm-hmm. She married a man very young who either she had money, he had money, they have money, you know, yeah. like he, he, he sounds like he was a good guy. You never hear about him being a bad guy or, or like they're living a lie. Like he was right. a monster. And clearly that contributed to producing two successful kids right out the gate. Yeah. Like she did everything right. They go away to school. And I can even see where that would explain some of their outrage as to her moving on and finding another guy. Cause honestly, I think it wouldn't have mattered even in, I mean, as much as they, they kind of, we're expecting her to go with the other guy, the older guy. Right, right. I really think that there probably would have been an animosity no matter what, because it's that like, 
in the shadow of their dad. Well, you yeah, know what I mean? And that was their knee-jerk reaction. Exactly. Is like, how do you besmirch our dads? Blah, blah, blah. Right, and, but that you was know. the thing, though, is, is that they they wanted her... They From the beginning, they were like, they just expected her to end up with Harvey because he was the prototypical... Like, he was exactly what... He was handpicked by the community for her, basically. Right, exactly. The, the daughter makes that kind of offhanded, like, kind of stupid remark where she's just like, oh, well, you know, he's... There's something about, like, he's... he's she even makes a mention where she, he's sexless. Yeah. Like, there's like, you know, at a certain age, sex just doesn't even matter in a marriage. And yeah. And just like, and he, you know, you can tell, she was like, you can tell Harvey doesn't care about sex. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. That's good for yeah. you, mom. It's nice. And it's just like, sexless um, fuddy daddy yeah, that I don't like, have to so think about So you two can that. sit next yeah. to each other in armchairs in front of Watch the fire. Watch TV. Yeah. And read quietly. Yeah. And just, you know, march, you know, count the minutes till death. Well, <laughs> and, just, well or, or again, or, watching like that television TV, yes, set. Oh my God, the way they did, the symbolism that they used throughout this movie, whether it was like the Wedgwood, the broken teapot that yes. they find, and, and then, yeah. um, or the, the television set that she ends up getting mm-hmm. as a present. It's just like, oh, it was so good because yeah. by the time those like objects like either show up or break, you're just like, ah. like you know, like it, it's, it's all threaded throughout this beautiful scene I and know, just, yeah. um, and again, so fantastically acted. Like, I'm, I will beg to differ. Sirs I mean, and madams, yes, <laughs> because this movie was fucking great. I mean, it did real well at the box office, of course. I mean, and I think that's on because of the success of Magnificent Obsession. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like it's not, it wasn't well reviewed during in, during, you know, at the time because. Mm-hmm. It wasn't viewed as being like a pro. It was like the content wasn't well. If it's not a male male led story or a, that, they felt like it was less of less value. Meanwhile, it was you know it's in the you know it's in the Library of Congress and it's oh, also yeah. being it was restored by the Criterion Collection. You know, oh, yes. so it's like and it's just like okay, well then it can't be that. It's just like so go fuck yourselves, Variety. Go fuck yourself, New exactly. York Times. Like whatever. <laughs> like it's so stupid. I think but. and I think it's such a good movie as far as like it. it I, I was thinking about like Rebel Without a Cause of like those movies made in the 50s at you know showing that like as much as everybody is so buttoned up and beautiful there's just this rage and rep- things that are being repressed mm-hmm. and just barely like barely being contained under the surface you know and uh and then and the when they rise up and sort of it's it's so good it's yeah. so good there's so much really good like it's just just so much content on um, that's unspoken in this movie that I yeah it's really really nice really good and the costumes oh my god Girl, the looks the looks in this movie are so beautiful and like, the use of color is mm-hmm. fantastic they, as well yeah Douglas Sirk and Bill Thomas were like, we got Technicolor. We're using every goddamn square <laughs> inch of it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. And that Christmas tree. Uh, I know. I was like, Magic. that Christmas tree was so cool. Cause it was one of those like really giant Christmas trees. that had like wispy little, oh, like just dripping with the old school yes, tinsel. So I love good. it. Oh God. It was so nice. Goodness. Um, yeah, well, this movie was super cool. Um, I can run through the storyline really. Yeah, fast, that'd be great. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, the film opens up with Ron Kirby, played by Rock Hudson, the gardener, pruning the trees, and Carrie Scott, played by Jane Wyman, in her yard. Um, Carrie is widowed and be- had been living alone for some time, as we mentioned. Her best friend, Sarah Warren, played by Agnes Moorhead, Moorhead comes um, by for lunch. In an effort to keep her from being lonely, she invites her to a party at the country club. And then Carrie ends up having coffee with Ron. And by the way, he's obviously much younger than her. <laughs> um, so her two kids... It's not, it's not that obvious, honestly. I, 
like I know, just I mean, well, God. it's made it's you know yeah, played know. played for I know. obvious that gasp. I know I exactly <laughs> they're like God glitching my pearls glitching all <laughs> those <laughs> tiny <laughs> little Barbara Bush pearls they're all wearing <laughs> exactly <laughs> so her two kids Kay played by Gloria Talbot and um uh, and Ned played by William Reynolds both attend college and only come home for the weekends Carrie goes to the party with her go-to date Harvey played by Conrad Nagel who is holding a candle for her but she's not ready to get married um, uh, so while the, while at the party we are introduced to Mona the town the mean town gossip played by Jacqueline DeWitt and Donald Curtis um, who, who plays Howard he's the married man who wants to have his way with Carrie which she refuses like I can't it's so that whole I, I, scene was I, so I, fucked because he's dancing with her and he, she's like where's the how's the wife and kids and he's like they're at home with the flu and I just had to get away and then he like totally like tries to mug down on her it's like dude you just mentioned your wife and kids so like, how, fucking gross like how detached are you from that it's just like fuck very off. very detached and it's just that's some madman he's shit. like it's all like, I was gonna say all the bad traits of the madman guys because like, they're one guy yeah. <laughs> So, flash forward to another day when Carrie comes home and Ron is finishing up pruning. He invites her out to his um, to his um, tree farm where he wants to show her his plants and he has an old mill on his property. So, they explore the mill and it becomes obvious that romance is blossoming. <laughs> um, eventually, Ron invites Carrie to a party at his friend's house. Carrie goes and meets Alita, played by Virginia Gray, and her husband, Mick, played by Charles Drake. Um, and, and she also meets a host of interesting people in Ron's life, all of his friends and his you know stalwarts so um, she also learns that Ron is the earthy gives no fucks kind of dude um, <laughs> which endears um, him to her even more so uh, Ron invites Carrie over to the to his farm to show her how he's been re- renovating the mill as a home for them both uh, he proposes <laughs> marriage and Carrie is shocked she never considered um, this this would ever happen despite her growing feelings um, what would the children say what would her friends and what about a life uh, she initially turns him down but as she goes to leave she um, she breaks down and realizes that she can't live without him and accepts his proposal um, then they end up spending the weekend on the mill oh, hey. um, you know and yeah, it's like it's just like scene missing hey, really, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, sexual intercourse um, you know is 1950s it style it's, um, call it? it's implied mm-hmm. that's right um, so when they head back to town after the weekend they run into Mona um, who puts two and two together and the secret is then immediately spread all over town in minutes so when Sarah hears, she um, goes to Carrie immediately to see if it's true. Um, Carrie confirms. She um, she confirms her, you know, confirms Sarah's worst fears. And um, Sarah's against it at first due to her concerns over the effects it will have on the, um, on the children and on uh, Carrie. Um, imagine the gossip. Uh, t- so Carrie tells Sarah that she doesn't care what people think. Sarah offers to help introduce Ron to their friends and show and a show of support. So that night the kids come home and Carrie tells her about them about the marriage. Initially they think it's to Harvey and then they're shocked when they find out it's um, Ron. Who, um, so Carrie takes Ron to the party where everyone is like wolves waiting to see Carrie with her new boy toy. Um, everyone is passive aggressive or openly hostile to Ron, um, thinking the worst of the entire situation. Many of them are thinking that it's a, there's people that think that um, Ron's only interested in Carrie's money. Some people um, assume that this mm-hmm. was started even before her husband died. Right. Like, they just like, kinda, they're just nasty. They just jump. Yeah. They're yeah. just dicks. I'm like with friends like these, who's these right? enemies basically. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, 
so when a, what's even worse is that um, Howard, thinking that she was hooking up with Ron before her husband even dies, tries to kiss all up on her. Um, Ron puts him in his place, um, but the party goers defend Howard, which is disgusting. That whole scene mm-hmm. was like depressing. Um, when she arrives home, Ned is there to tell her that he's not co-signing on this marriage. And the next day, Kay comes home in tears because people were mean to her about Ron. Uh, she begs her mother to reconsider the marriage. Due to all this pressure, Carrie breaks it off with Ron shortly after to save face and to keep her kids from all the shame. And the kids, when they hear the news, they don't seem to care all that much. They're just like, oh, great. You're breaking up. Fantastic. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Um, uh, Nonplussed. Yeah. yeah, Like I was telling you, the son son treated (laughs) it as if it was like a to-do list. He's like, great. You did that. Fantastic. Scratch. (laughs) Like, moving on. Bye, mom. Like, it's just like... You know, they have no concern for her, their no. mother's emotional state. Not really. <laughs> um, again, sexless. They think that she's just yeah. like a sexless, yeah. emotionless woman, so which is so sad. Um, so Christmas approaches, and Carrie runs into Ron while shopping for a Christmas tree. It seems clear that they're still in love. On Christmas Eve, the kids come home. Kay announces that she's getting married. Um, she realized, She tells her mom that she realized that she loved her beau the same night she um, begged her mother to break it off with Ron. This is also when Ned announces that that he's going to school overseas and that they should hell sell the house because no one's going to be living in it anyway. Um, Carrie realizes that um, she broke up with Ron for nothing since her kids are not going to, um, not going to be living there anyway. And um, it wouldn't have been truly affected by the marriage. Um, Ned completely oblivious to his mother's pain, then presents her with a television to keep her company. Yes. Which is like, that scene was just devastating. Honestly, I, that shot because that was also yes. the scene where we see that um, where where her son remains oblivious. Uh-huh. Um, that that was a I love that scene because that's the scene where you know her you can tell her daughter realizes how much like her how right. she really sees in that moment how deeply affected her mom was and she and and how wrong it was and she mm-hmm. she's the one crying and yeah. she's like i'm so sorry if he still loves you you know you should go get him like i you know and and she's it's like that moment of like holding her mom's hand and like wanting her to do that yeah. and then that tv shows up and that <sighs> shot of the two of the uh-huh. mother and daughter looking up at that television is so powerful. Uh-huh. It is so powerful of them like holding hands and looking like I just it blows my mind. I know, it's so I good. Just, I just it's just it, that as a woman, I'm just like oh, oh, oh good but I God. just think it was you such know? an interesting thing too. Is like how like imagine how oblivious that son was to see that his, both his mother and sister were crying, and he's just like here's a TV. Yeah, look at what like, I yeah, and it's just like, I'm gonna take all your troubles. All you need to do is sit in front of this. I know, but it was like <laughs> my grandma. It was like a shit box. You know, it's it's a idiot box. I know, but I was just like, if could you imagine walking in a room with two people that are obviously crying? and not being like is everything okay it's just like, that's yeah. how kind of I men and women oh, I tell goodness. you you know <laughs> Jesus so, I mean the character yeah. so Carrie ends up visiting the doctor afterward for headaches um, he diagnoses her um, it as being related to her breaking it off with Ron uh, he encourages her to go to him and patch things up she takes his advice and when she arrives at the mill Ron isn't there he's up on a ledge hunting um, he tried to get her attention before she drives off but then he ends up falling down the cliff um, and back at her house Carrie that is visited by Alita who's come to fetch her and to tell her all about Ron's accident. So Carrie rushes to be by Ron's side who is laid up in the mill house um, with a concussion. The next morning he wakes up and she tells him that I've come home. 
Aww. And then it ends with the with the assumption that they will be together and they and that love. fucking fabulous refab. I mean, I mean, it is this like <laughs> mill as a house uh, to see that mill become the most amazing home. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me, bitch? This house is yeah. fabulous. Can you imagine how much that would cost here in Seattle? I mean, I like mean, a rebuilt anywhere. like mill. I know Jesus. it's just it was so beautiful. <laughs> I know, and he's just like refurbishing it, one man show style. Oh, just and like, that window. Oh, oh my god, like, I know. If, if Rock Hudson was already beautiful. Enough. I know, like even we if you were just, even if you were a five, you, the <laughs> exactly. level of hotness you possess and all the exactly. manly things you just man up and do, and that whole like, yeah, I make a lot of money, but who cares? Like, yeah, he make good money, he had money, know. he just didn't give a fuck, and he that's so sexy. Exactly. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> it's a good beautiful. movie. Goodness. Uh, so, Kathleen, we need to talk about the looks in this we film. We do. Oh my god. Um, what's your favorite look? What was your? <sighs> what What are the looks that people need to pay attention to in this movie? Okay, let me think. Well, um, I would say a good one up top is um, the beautiful red dress that. Um, that Carrie is wearing when she first goes to the part, like mm-hmm. the first party in the yeah. beginning, and and again, yeah, her children are like, "Whoa, mom, look I at know. you wear, look at you!" And she's she's absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. and that dress fits her beautifully, and it's just this beautiful red dress because for the most part, her whole palette is in neutrals. She's in these yeah. very buttoned up, um, mute, you know, grays, tweeds, um, her your beautiful tan coats, and like yeah. every and everything is very muted and neutral on her, even like blues everything is very toned but then there's there's that sh- beautiful red dress that she wears and um and a couple of times also too where she wears when, she, when she's not wearing a neutral it really stands out mm-hmm. so that's a beautiful classic mid-50s sweetheart neck fit and flare circle skirt yep. just snatched waist yes. uh, as we would say all the waists are snatched in this movie everyone, uh, everyone is wearing a merry widow of some sort mm-hmm. and just strapped in strapped in to the to, for, to make those beautiful dresses work um, so there's that I love that one that stands out for me as far as her and then um, I really love the um, there's like this plaid house coat that oh she's wearing but, which is, is that really makes it sound frumpy when it's not no. when it's it's literally it's gorgeous like princess seamed fit and flare full length with probably a circle skirt mm-hmm. um gown like, like an, a button up a plaid yeah, gown it's like an evening coat mm-hmm. or a house evening coat i've seen these before too they're like it's beautiful. got a beautiful little collar yeah. it just it was it was like a full length plaid mm-hmm. coat with these black like covered buttons and and a black so, little collar oh. and it just i i want one like and it was i it inspires me to make one it was like the perfect <laughs> outfit for decorating Tra- decorating the tree, the tree. and like decorating and, this tree in this beautiful scotch plaid oh like, beautiful full, like full yes. length like all the way to the floor which was longer than what they showed in the evening wear too because the evening wear was that fit and flare look yes. or which they would say cocktail because yeah. that would have been cocktail attire. and that was like midi length yeah. was the thing back then yeah. nobody was really doing full length even to cocktail parties they would have done it for evening wear evening, but not for yeah. cocktail so like yeah. this would have been like cock- so cocktail attire would have been the full skirts with like yes. the it was uh, but this one was like of evening in evening house coat. It was so beautiful. it was so gorgeous, and you just knew the like it. It, it probably is like really warm, mm-hmm. and it's made out of flannel, and it's and it's, she wears it in a really touching scene where she's trimming the tree that she um, gets when she first when she sees Ron again right, for the first time, yeah. and then um, these she also. Um, 
goes to the window and see these sees these little kids come by who are, who are like singing and then it goes back to her and she's got tears she's probably thinking well, about her Ron's own kid driving the, Ron's driving the sleigh oh that's right he's driving like the, oh, the, God, if you, the kids around and if you didn't think it wasn't hot enough I know this man who doesn't even have kids is driving the kids around it's just it's so good oh, <laughs> anyway God. so there, there was that and then i'm trying to think if there was another oh and i just want a, a, a special spotlight on her beautiful little knitted cowl oh, fine yeah. knitted cowls that she wears throughout the movie mm-hmm. with her coats um so shout out to that and just the outerwear in general um 1950s outerwear particularly for women is just one of the it's one of the greatest times for outerwear yeah, and coats beautiful car coats so good and coats. like some are fur some are not um and they've got a lot of them have these big standing collars mm-hmm. she tends to wear pretty much the same coat throughout the whole movie which i really like and it's got this big standing collar that sticks stands around her face and then she's always wearing just various um like finely knitted little cowl shawls that she wears that are um almost angelic looking right. and um or i would say kind of religious yeah, looking they're like, um you they're they look like thread lace yes which are like but it, or thread knit where you we take like a really fine like fingering weight or something yeah where it's but like, it must be like wool or it, something because yeah, it's like really fine yeah it, i've used it before where you do like thread it's like angora so it's yeah. actually like or um alpaca and it's just really nice oh my warm. gosh they and look so they pretty it, on her it like really kind of like almost like a loose gauge so it, it's really kind of like floaty and <sighs> i want it's to really like nice. learn to knit or crochet just to make one i think mm-hmm. they're so pretty and she wears them really well. Um, they look so cute with her little poodly um, permed mm-hmm. hair, that very like high and tight 50s <laughs> for women, <laughs> which you saw a lot in the too. movie. Most of these women did have that, with the exception of Agnes Moorhead, a friend oh, Sarah, who had. Um, also, um, she is a natural redhead, probably was dyed too, but she has also these just flaming blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of forget how beautiful, like Agnes Moorhead was very striking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she has these, um, her hair is done in these beautiful up with like a shingyon in the back and the braids and everything um but yeah um oh and her her dress her hostess dress when they do the cocktail party oh yeah with the little scallops on it um that was another i'm sorry i'm going off about the looks but no no she's got um uh, Um, agnes moore has got some great looks her costumes are i would say her they rival carries as far as like expression Mm -hmm. and fit and beautiful silhouettes and um she wears she wears them very very well um, uh, twin sets as far as oh, the eye can God, see yes. with, like I said the little teeny tiny like the Barbara Bush pearls mm-hmm. I mean that's the best way to describe yeah, it but it's little, like, like it's that like it's that like housewife pearls yeah but like 50s, teenage you know? girls are wearing them and housewives mm-hmm. are wearing them and then um, also seeing the daughter Kay uh-huh. Kay had beautiful looks oh that was my other thing as far as red dresses go I really love the red dress and hat that Kay is wearing yeah, when she goes to her mom to tell her she's getting married she just it, looks like a pixie Totally. And she's got the cute little short bangs. And then she does a lot of little kerchiefs around the neck, which are very teenager yeah. 50s, you know. Um, I mean, Kay is given, is serving you bar, um, original Barbie realness oh, with you know those what? tiny little bangs and the I like fucking high love Kay. pony. Yeah, no, like Kay went on a journey. Um, like, yeah, like, and the little like cat eye lens. Oh, I lo- and I love like, her glasses. Uh, yeah. And like, I was thinking the more, because I have time to think, I'm like, you know what? Kay's the product of a really good mom. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like, she's like, because she, like, if you think about it, even being a kid from the 50s, it's like, obviously she had a mom and a dad who like nurtured her love of psychology mm-hmm. and reading and being this like smarty pants, you know? So yeah. I think that like, it's really cool to, I, I was really, I was really moved to see her in the end sort of have like have come full circle. Yeah. I was really, because that would have really bummed me out, I think, <laughs> if they had not, 
she had not been able to connect with I her know, on that level because yeah. I've always felt like um, her experience, you know, and, and really was the turning point as to why the mom made the decision to break it off was the bullying. Yeah. You know, she's like, so it was different for the son to be upset, but to know that her daughter's just straight up, like the very thing that she was worried about happening is what's happening. She was like, yeah. that's it. Fuck that. I love you, but dude, kids come first. Mm-hmm. And like, I respect her. T- I, all the choices being made yeah. as mu- as sad as they were, you get them. You yeah. really do. Like, you know, I just, oh yeah, God. I just the whole time is waiting for her to clap back on those kids though. Especially when, especially when they well, came home and was like, I'm getting married. I'm moving. I'm moving to Europe, and you're gonna be living alone. So we're gonna sell the, like sell the house right out from underneath you. I would have. No. If I was waiting for her to be like, oh, like flipping the yeah. table, being like, no. you motherfuckers need to get the hell out. Like, no. you, you ruined my life. Like, uh, no. I was waiting for my whole. I was waiting for my real house. No, she's not that kind of mom. She no, she, no, she's the one that does the most damage. They don't flip tables. I know. They just put their head in their hands and, and just with utter disappointment. But that's what's so just, sad. And you're, like, and you're like, oh, you just I know she's like. There's no going back from that. And you're just like, oh, but you know, (laughs) luckily. I'm not even mad. I'm disappointed. You're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah. But then you've got fucking, you've got um, Ned who just didn't even know. No, he's such a Chad. I can't with him. You know, again, Um, he's just a product of his upbringing and, and that like putting that, you know, big dick, exactly. Putting that dick on a pedestal, you know, Mm -hmm. it's that. Yeah. Matriarchy kind of thing. There's some or patriarchy, yes. not matriarchy. Sorry. There's a lot. There's actually some other really good looks too. That I think Agnes Moorhead has a really great look during the scene where she goes to where they t- first the where she first red. learns about yes. Ron. Oh my god, that fo- that blouse is like all ruffled. It's like a black blouse with a ruffled, and she's got the tiny the little, little kerchief. Scarf, like the kerchief. And then yeah. if you see it from the back too, it's got a tiny little, little triangle, just a tiny little point. Like so, it's like the narrowest kerchief. Yeah. You've, it's super super cute. I love it. It's like that. Um, all those little tiny little kerchiefs and scarves that you mm-hmm. see in thrift stores and you're like what what yes. are these it's this movie shows how there was a good usage of those in yeah, here <laughs> it's a completely and she has and i just love her so much like her character is so, her. and had great style and like it, with all the clothes that they gave her and everything and um in the party scene like the one where they first wherever all the you know wolves meet Ron there's some really great evening wear in that oh too. yeah there's that's this, good too that like what <laughs> that that Agnes Moorhead refers to that one girl as a moron. Where she's oh, I like, know. I had to throw a, mor- a party for that moron, Jane. I know. Like, um, Who's she, like super bitter that yeah, she's like, you know, she, I'm the broke bitch who has to marry for money. Basically, you know? but her dress was really beautiful because the skirt had, the skirt was a full, like full uh, circle skirt, but it had this beautiful like zigzag, um, zigzag ribbon pattern that was narrow at the top and got wider as it went down. Nice. It was like really, really cool. Yeah. I was like, well, that's pretty nice, even though she's a bitch. Well, um, yeah, well, I, even the town biddy had that gorgeous uh-huh. emerald green number with the little like oh, things yeah. on the side. Like, um, I mean, everybody was dressed. <laughs> even, just, even the old people, like the old biddies and stuff. Yeah. Everybody is just that one gorgeous. bitch. She's like, don't I recognize you? Yeah. She had an amazing <laughs> gown on. Which she I looked like, like she was ready for the Titanic. I know, basically. <laughs> with that costume so jewelry, much sequins, and so, I was she had just like, like ropes like, of rhinestones. Yes. On. <laughs> so good, but yeah, there's so much good stuff to see in this movie, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just and the, the just the way it's shot is so it was so beautiful it's so beautiful these scenes were shot in such a way where nothing was left to chance like Mm -hmm. they he they planned out all the lighting all the the color filters and all this it's just 
the it makes it such a visually stunning movie. So I highly, highly recommend. Oh this. yeah, it's it's everything yeah. a movie should be. It's a total escape. Um, I feel like you know it it, it is in a in a way a Christmas movie mm-hmm. without being like Christmas in your face. But right. I think it's really cool and it's and a, a beautiful love story. Yes. Um, it's really good. Yeah. You're like, don't cry, Kathleen. I'm sorry, don't cry. <laughs> Fanning yourself. You're like, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. It, it took a lot. <laughs> uh, I cried a lot through watching the Christmas movie. <laughs> I just love that you're, you're, I love that you cry at movies. It's my favorite I, thing. Cause I'm dead I, inside. Cause I'm just like, you're laughing and I'm weeping. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> laughing. It's just, you know, I'm dead inside. So I'm just like, no, you're not. There's no, nothing not. I can do but laugh. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oh, this movie's so good. <laughs> well, it was re- yeah, so um, moral of the story, this movie is very, very good. And I'm excited to um, look, look into Magnificent Obsession, too. I can't so wait that, to see that movie. Everyone seems to be super excited about that, too. So yeah. I'm really stoked to yeah, see that. Yeah, I, I really yeah. want to see more Douglas Sirk, Douglas Sirk movies, yeah. for sure. Yeah, he's he seems like he knows what he's doing. I just bring my tissues. <laughs> 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 Sorry guys, I'm so sorry. It just it's so good. <laughs> the start was so good. I, just love, I love that you're weeping but also laughing at yourself and weeping at the same no. time. Uh, so bad, you guys. I'm the person as a kid I made fun of at wedding. Like was like, who's that bitch crying at weddings? It's me now. <laughs> You just got so much love. That's all. You just got so many feelings. Oh, I I just, I, well, you know, you just got to. I got to swallow it down like Hank Hill every day. <laughs> <laughs> so I let it come out when uh, movies like this happen. Yes. It's good. Oh, God, but yeah, uh, it's good. Well, I'm excited to do more Bill Thomas movies too. Because oh, his, for sure, his filmography. He's got. I mean, we can't wait to get into the. That I mean, piece. if you want to do Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, oh, I'm hell, totally down yeah. because well, I, mean, I uh, love that it, movie. He also too. I did notice he was. Um, he was com- com- credited on Mary Poppins too, actually, oh. because it said um, he was credited as um, costumes executed by. So he must have been working with. He um, just. With, he's a. He must have worker. been working yeah. with. Um, the designer of that, which escapes me right now, and I feel like a terrible person for not remembering. Uh, Tony, something or other. Tony, um, quickly searching for it. Tony, Julie Andrews' husband at the time. Tony Walton, perhaps. Is that right? Did I get it? Did I get it? Did, 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 did. No, did I, I must have passed by it. No, but I know who you're talking about. Yes. He was a costume designer. God damn it, why can't I find it? And was he. Uh, Should I ask you, what was he Bill, Tony Walton it's, yeah. was the costume designer. And then, so they were executed by Bill Thomas in this movie. So, yeah. So, uh, so he must have worked with Tony Walton at the time for Mary Poppins. So, cool. That's, which is really cool. And I love that he's kind of a Disney company man. That's kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's too, really neat, so. too. And Dark Disney, which, I mean, yeah, uh, Bad Knobs and Broomstick um, to me is like Dark Disney. It's, I think it's the, feels like the start of that. Like, I mean, wow. some of the stuff that he did, I mean, he did Son of Flubber, Parent Trap. He did. Oh, my uh, God. Oh, the parent, the costuming is great yeah, in the parent trap. He did trap. that darn cat, Lieutenant Robinson Caruso, oh, wow. U.S. Navy. Like he, did costumes a, were solid in those movies the, back in the I day. Mean, he did the Love Bug, Horse in the Gray Final Suit. Um, so he was like did Pete's Dragon. He did oh my Pete's God. Dragon too. Yeah, which I loved that movie as a kid. Oh, I watched dude. that all the fucking time. So I mean, he was he was a good. He I mean, must have been the Disney. He, he worked on. He did the gowns for um, Jane Fonda and Cat Baloo. 
Um, oh, he did. Those were really good yeah. too. So he's done. He did a lot of stuff for um, Disney, which is actually interesting because they had Rad. that whole time where they were doing all those live action films too. I love. So I love that era. Some of those are. Really, I really, really do. Good. That was when also they did like Robin Hood, the legend or the mm-hmm. Adventures of Robin Hood, which yeah. is not live action, but, but it's the, that oh, like that's with, the, a good one. with the animals and that stuff. Was really good. Yeah. The foxes. The fox. Yeah. I, it's oh. yeah. Good times. Good times. Well, now that Disney Plus is a thing, yeah. um, we'll definitely be um, probably um, doing some of these in the future. Totally. With um, There's so much potential. I think a lot of these are just, like I said, that whole era and um, those movies that like did stuff about the war, but like in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of tell that they were like made in the 70s, but trying to be the 40s, mm-hmm. you know, but and also Angela Lansbury. I just any excuse she to, was so good in that movie oh, she was so, so good. good i i remember watching that movie as a little kid we must have i think we it was must have been something we had on vhs that was like, a heavy rotation yeah for my family too. and and we watched it a lot yeah. a lot and i really loved her character and now even thinking about it i kind of relate to, it's like can you imagine you're just this person that you know like you don't have kids and you're like put like can you imagine being in a situation where like you're like in wartime, you don't have kids, but mm. you're like, but you have extra rooms and yeah. there are kids that don't have places to go. So you were, you are taking these children, yeah. you know? And it's like, I can't imagine, the, it was, you know? Yeah. Looking it was back like on a, that was such yeah. an interesting storyline too. But, but like watching that yeah. and like Annie, you know, like uh, there were a lot yeah. of those like kind of orphan type movies, I think when we were little yeah. that were pretty now looking back are actually pretty dark, but I'm kind of really grateful that those were around. And I, I don't think that everything should be, so perfect and polished and sugar coated, and I'm really grateful for those like grittier, darker, like m- movies that were made for kids, <laughs> but right. they didn't dumb it down. Right. Yeah. And like we've talked about that, before. yeah, we like, have movies kind of don't don't um they don't yeah they don't pander to children or they don't you know condescend to children. You know, right, they're very much like you get it. Like, yeah, and if you don't, you'll get it eventually. Yeah, like, like um like the Secret of Nim is oh, another oh, one that, that I be, just oh. So that one good. Ruined me. <laughs> it's just like, right? Jesus. But it's it's so. But then you're. But you're like, <laughs> yeah. I can't stop watching. I wonder, now. Where, I need, my, I wonder you know. where my fear of getting buried alive comes from. <gasps> oh god, maybe it was that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my fear of drowning. Uh, pretty much, it's the same. The, yeah. the same. Uh, Jesus, when their house fills up with mud. I'm just oh, my like, oh my god! I know. Oh god. I know. I know. Oh <laughs> it's like <God>. my abject <laughs> nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Good God! Weirdly, I have we? claustrophobia. Yeah, well, do I have claustrophobia now? Um, anywho, that's a little tangent for you. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you guys! Yes. This was our Christmas yes. episode, and I'm um, so glad we did this. Yeah. And um, I want to thank everybody for such kindness too, and all the um, encouraging words. And um, uh, for our last episode, our Bob Mackie episode, yes! we got so much. Like everyone was super excited. We got so many people congratulating Woo-hoo! us for getting him on there, which was always a dream come true. It was. It was wonderful. Um, and yeah, I had uh, joked with Kathleen when we, after we recorded it, I was just like, well, that's the end of the podcast. Yeah, I know. We, like, <laughs> we can pretty much button this up. We've... We can't get any better than this. But, you know, now we just have to shoot higher for the stars for our fourth anniversary. Yeah. So we'll get there. It's going to yeah. be exciting. We'll just, we'll just have him back on. Yeah. It'll be great. And 2020 is coming back. 2020 yeah. is going to be com- coming back. 2020 is on the precipice. We're going to have a whole new year. Yeah. Big plans, that sort of stuff. So Yeah. We've awesome. got all kinds of fun ideas in the works for next year and we're really excited. Yeah, so much potential. Um, so was there anything else we needed to talk about all that heaven allows before we 
Gosh. Going off of this joint? I can't. I, well, I, I mean, dressed Back to the Future, and I, that yeah. was pretty much my. That's probably. It's probably. Yeah. You can watch a little like bookend this movie with uh, Magnificent Obsession and Back to the Future. Oh, yes. Yeah, that would be a really yeah. good one. It just. I don't know. It, it actually makes me. Not that I didn't already love Back to the Future immensely, <laughs> but it just was like made me love it even more. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but uh, that, I guess that's it. Yeah. Um, th- thank you guys so much for listening to us. Um, we really love doing this podcast exactly. and hanging out. So um, the fact that people listen to us is kind of icing on the cake. So, yeah. Um, yeah. More to come. We'll talk about movies. (laughs) Um, Yep. Uh, So there, um, keep in touch with us over on social media, Mm -hmm. Alt Hollywood Realness on Facebook and Instagram, OHR Podcast on Twitter. Um, You can email us all your thoughts and prayers, oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. Haven't said that joke in a couple of days. Um, uh, Our website, of course, oldhollywoodrealness.com. We have our Pinterest page that has um, Mm -hmm. reference photos which you can always check out. Um, if, please uh, keep in touch with us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Um, let us know if we missed anything. Always um, want to hear you guys' thoughts. What's your experience with this movie? You can join um, the Facebook group, OHR Podcast Darlings, D-A-H-L-I-N-G-S. There's all um, listeners over there to, um, interacting with each other, talking about movies and those sort of things, which is great to see. We're sharing, um, we share a lot of like um, events in various towns and that sort of thing for costume events. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, and then uh, thank you to Hal Lublin yes. for his vocal talents at the top of the podcast, keeping us fresh and profesh. Always. Always. Um, and in the meantime, thank you for listening to OHR L- Violin Swell. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Beep boop, test, test, beep boop, boop boop, beep boop.